This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. the book of Ecclesiastes for probably, I would say, the next uh, six weeks or so, uh, give or take uh, three or four weeks. Um, just seeing if you're awake tonight. After our uh, mini-series, I'll call it a mini-series, it's only going to be about six weeks or so, uh, we'll head to the book of uh, James. I'm really excited about that, uh, and as I began to read through the book of James, I've been reading through it on a daily basis as part of my daily devotionals, uh, I realized I need a little bit more time to put together an appropriate uh, sermon series on the book of James because there's so much uh, meat, so much content in the book of James, and I want to make sure that I do it justice that it deserves. And uh, I've been kicking around the idea of a mini-series through Ecclesiastes for probably a couple of years, uh, scratched out some thoughts as I read through it every time in my devotionals. Uh, Ecclesiastes is such a solid book of the Bible, and I'm excited to kick off tonight a a kind of a brief mini-series, if you will. Uh, We're not going to go verse by verse through the entire book, but we will hit some high points as we go through there. Uh, I'd encourage you to read through the book of Ecclesiastes this week if you've never read it. Uh, There's so much wisdom found here. Uh, There's so much truth that's found here uh, about this life that we see. And we'll uh, cover some of that uh, tonight. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, we're going to start in verse number 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That word vanity means meaningless. What profit hath a man of all of his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, the sun goeth down and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth into the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again to according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with hearing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, that is that which shall be, and that which is done is what shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There's no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. The sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. As we, before we jump into the passage, I want to do kind of a quick overview of the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, The majority of Bible scholars believe, and I would believe, that this was written by Solomon. Uh, He claims to be the son of David, and he claims to be the king of Jerusalem or the king of Israel. Uh, So in this case here, that really narrows it down to one son that David had uh, who was king over Israel, and that was Solomon. Uh, Also, as you look through here, you'll see a lot of the same phraseology that we find in other writings of Solomon. For example, Proverbs, we see a lot of carry-on thoughts that we find in Proverbs uh, kind of completed or brought to fruition throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. So I think it's pretty safe to say that the uh, book of Ecclesiastes was written by the wisest man to ever walk the planet aside from Jesus Christ himself. 
Think about that. The guy who was the smartest, the most wise concerning the way life works. Uh, the book of Proverbs is an absolute gold mine of truth. Um, you think about a guy that's getting ready to die wants to write to his boys everything they need to know about life. That's the book of Proverbs. So much wisdom there. We'll never uh, be able to squeeze out all the truth in the book of Proverbs because it's so much good stuff. But then you get to the book of Ecclesiastes and you find one of the wisest people, the wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet other than God incarnate himself, Jesus Christ. Then you find one of the richest men to ever live in all of human history writes his thoughts on what life is all about. Man, it's a fascinating read to be able to get inside the mind of of one of the wisest men, one of the richest men to ever exist in all of human history, and definitely all of the Bible for sure. What would he have to say about life? What would he have to say about all the things that he's been able to accomplish with his life? As we look at verse number one, he says, the words of the preacher, and I don't know about your uh, version of the Bible that you have, but in mind, the word preacher there is capitalized. Uh, the, the word that's used in this case here is the Hebrew word of kohelet. Uh, the word kohelet means the preacher, the proverb giver, the gatherer of God's people. And so he says, I'm the preacher. I'm the guy that gets all of God's people together and shares this truth with them. Uh, so he doesn't claim to be the pastor of a church. Uh, he doesn't claim to be a religious leader, leader in any case. He's just saying, I'm the person who gathers everyone together to share this truth. That word kohelet is the word preacher that we find in here. Now, the term Ecclesiastes comes from the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia means a called out assembly of people. Uh, in the New Testament, the Greek word ecclesia is where we use the word church. Uh, our church would be considered an ecclesia. We're a group of people in this world who have been called out of this world for the purpose of assembly together in a sense of community. That's where we get the word ecclesia or the word church. The word church really means something. It means people who have been saved, baptized, added to God's family and part of his community living together. Greek word for that, ekklesia. So that leads us into Ecclesiastes, which is the one who gathers or addresses an assembly of gathered together people. So uh, the word Ecclesiastes basically means uh, the speaker who's speaking to a group of people in this case here, if you would. So this writing is not written to uh, one particular group uh, in particular, it's not written to, uh, to just to the Jews. It's not written just to uh, a group of people that are gathered in a certain uh, geographical community. Even throughout this uh, writing, he'll say the word under the sun, speaking about the fact that this is not, uh, these truths aren't contained just to us, but to every person who lives and breathes on planet Earth. Then he used the word again and again, vanity. The word vanity means meaningless, frustrating, futile. And he goes again and again and says, this life that we see is completely and totally void of any meaning whatsoever. This is all vanity. And he goes so far as to say, vanity of vanities. Meaninglessness of the most meaninglessness. There's nothing here to see. I've seen it, I've experienced, and at the end of the day, there's nothing here at all. And some would look at this and go, wow, that doesn't sound like a very biblical book. That doesn't sound, it sounds very pessimistic for being from the Bible. Uh, Solomon is taking this from a completely and totally human perspective, a secular perspective, if you will, and he looks and says, hey, 
these generations, one comes after the other, and they forget what the other one's done, and they, they don't even know what's coming down the road, but the earth continues to go, and the earth continues to turn, and the rivers flow to the sea, but the sea isn't full, and the wind continues to blow, and it just blows in the circuits, in the circular patterns that it always does, and life goes on, and people pass away, and there's nothing left behind whatsoever. He said, this whole world is just simply meaningless. The Hebrew uh, word translated as vanity is the word hebel, which literally means a breeze, a breath, or a vapor. So this word vanity that he uses time and time again is you and I blowing out like that. He said, that's what life is like. It's, It's just over and done with. It's meaningless. It's just like the breeze in the air. And we would look and say, man, living in Hawaii, man, we, we love a good breeze. We love the trade winds and stuff like that. How could he say that breeze would be meaningless? Do you remember the breeze that came across last Tuesday afternoon, about three o'clock in the afternoon? No, you don't. At the time, it was really helpful, I'm sure. If you, if you experienced a breeze, it was, it was cool, it was nice. Maybe there's times where you walked outside, you go, wow, that, that breeze feels nice, but you don't remember it. It had no bearing on your life. Your life wasn't changed because of it. And at the end of the day, another breeze came later that really didn't amount to much either. She says, everything is like that breeze. It just comes and it goes. And at the end of the day, has no real bearing or significance on anything else. The phrase under the sun is used 29 times in this book alone. And here's an awesome thing. It's not found anywhere else in the Bible. That phrase under the sun is a word phraseology used by Solomon and Solomon alone. We don't find it anywhere else throughout Scripture. But again, he's saying this is a universal truth. This isn't limited to just the Jews. This isn't something that just the people of God will experience. This is a human condition that everyone experiences, everyone under the sun. So as we look into this passage tonight, we've got to ask this question. Is life really meaningless? Are we really just sitting around waiting to die? Since the beginning of time, I think philosophers have tried to answer the question, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? And I think the writer of Ecclesiastes and anyone who does not know the God that we know would say, this life is pretty meaningless. We're only here for a short period of time. Some of us make a difference, some of us don't. And then we just move on with life and we carry on. Well, then what's the purpose of this? And again, if we look at this from a purely humanistic, secular standpoint, we would say, well, life's short, have fun. Uh, Get as much as we can out of this life because this is all that we see. And even the writer of Ecclesiastes says this, of all that we can observe, life really is meaningless. Of what we can see, again, verses uh, four through seven, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abides forever. So people come and go, but the earth is still here. The sun rises and goes down. The wind goes from the south and goes to the north and comes about continually and then goes back. All the rivers run to the sea, yet the sea's not full. The place where the rivers come from just goes back there again. And everything that we can observe, everything that we can see of what we can see, this life doesn't matter. You walk out and you look, the waves come in, and the waves go back out, and the waves come back in, and the waves go back out, and the sun goes down, and then everybody goes home and sleeps, and they come out the next day when the sun comes up, and the waves go out, and they come back in, and sometimes the tide's lower, sometimes the tide's higher, 
Sometimes there's boats out on the horizon. Sometimes uh, there's birds flying around. But really, at the end of the day, this day is no different than the day before. And all of this really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. None of us will be here 120 years from now to see anything that we see. There's gonna be a group of people that come after us who don't even know that we ever even existed. What does this really matter? You think about it. If you've ever gone out to the Punch Bowl Cemetery of the Pacific, if you haven't seen it, absolutely gorgeous. You gotta go there. Uh, we bring guests that come in from out of town to go see the Punch Bowl. You gotta walk, uh, look up where you look out over the, uh, the city. Absolutely fascinating. Could you name 12 people that were buried at the Punch Bowl Cemetery? I don't know that I could name two. I'm sure you say, well, Pastor, you didn't know that General So-and-so, I didn't know that. I really didn't. So here's a cemetery full of people who probably at some point in their lives would be considered heroes. We don't even know their names. We go and we take pictures overall. Somebody goes out there on Memorial Day and plants flags and things like that. But at the end of the day, we don't really know who these people are. Most of us would have no connection really to them. How many of you could name your great-great-uncle, great-great-aunt? I don't even know what a second or third cousin is. <laughs> like, we think to ourselves, in the big scheme of things, does life really even matter? If I'm gonna die one day and my great-great-great-grandchildren don't even know my name, does this life even really matter? Are we really gonna accomplish anything? Or is it all meaningless? The only thing that's constant is the earth. The sun rises and it sets. So of everything that we can observe, this life really doesn't mean a lot. That mindset, I think, says a lot about the society that we live in today. They don't see the value in marriage because life's too short to be in an unhappy marriage. Find somebody that makes you happy. Life's too short to, to work a job that you don't thoroughly enjoy and that you don't get excited about. Quit that and go somewhere else. Life's too short to be broke. Life's too short to be poor. Life's too short to be unhappy. And this idea that the shortness of life should drive us to seeking out pleasure at all costs is a very worldly mindset. But the fact of the matter is, if there is no God, life truly is meaningless. Think about that for a second. If there's no God, if there's no heaven, if there's no hell, if there's nothing after this life, life really doesn't mean a whole lot. I've seen people post things online like, uh, I went to, to work and worked a eight-hour shift, came home, watched Netflix, and went home. I can't imagine doing this for the next 60 years. And you think to yourself, well, if that's all that life is to you, then it's got to be exhausting. If all life is work a job, come home, watch TV, get up and work a job the next day, come home, watch TV, go to bed, get up, work a job the next day, come home, watch TV, go to bed, then this is meaningless. If there is no God, we're wasting our time here tonight. We should go have fun because this life is short and this is all that we get from the life that we live. If there is no God, if there's no God, time is meaningless because we have a very, very short period on this earth. We don't know how long that is. We don't know how much time we have, but we do know that this life is short. We must make the most of it if there's no God, if there's no heaven, if there's no hell, if there's no eternity, then the time that we have is meaningless. We as Christians would say that God has determined the length of our life. and We need to make the most of the time that we have here on this earth because eternity's coming. But uh, 
someone who doesn't subscribe to our viewpoint, someone who doesn't subscribe to the Bible would say, this life is meaningless, this time is meaningless. Seek pleasure at all costs. Do what you will because life is short and it's too short to not enjoy it. It's the wrong mindset, wrong perspective. If there's no God, nothing at all in this earth holds any lasting value. If there's no God, there's nothing, no value, no profit found in anything that this life has to offer. Our, if there's no eternity, my relationship with my coworker doesn't matter. My relationship with my neighbor doesn't matter. Making meaningful connections with people doesn't matter because if this person adds value to me, I'll take from them. If they don't add value to me, I want nothing to do with them. It's the wrong perspective. It's the wrong mindset. But again, if there is no eternity and there is no God, that's the only mindset that we have. What can I get from this situation? What does this do for me? And unfortunately, we live in a society today of people who are looking for what they can get from us, looking for what they can get to uh, find value in us. If we have no value, they discard us and they move on. Again, we live in a society today that many would say is godless. And they subscribe to the idea that there's nothing after this life, that our, our time here holds no value, that the things of this world hold little value. We live in a society today where human life has very little value. We're going to take a look at that in a, a few weeks on a Sunday morning where we're going to talk about abortion. We do that once, once every year. We talk about the sanctity and importance of human life. And look, while we want to defend the life of a child that's in the womb, we also want to defend the life of a child who's in a school. We want to defend the life of a person on the side of the street. We want to defend the life of a person who is at the end of their life in hospice care. We want to place value upon every single human being. But if there's no afterlife and we're just taking up space until we die, and this person's just a waste of the oxygen that I could be breathing, then those people hold little value. But here's the truth. This life only has significance when we have God at the center. Hey, look, without God, you and I would both think that this life is meaningless, that there's little value in any of the work that we do. Any value, no value to be found really in any relationships unless they do something for us or make us feel better about ourselves. But because God is at the center, perspective on everything changes. You see, if this life, we as Christians would say, if this life is all we get, it's gonna be pretty miserable. If the, all you get is what you have in your days here on this earth, then you gotta make the most of it and even then it's still gonna be pretty crummy. But we as Christians believe that this is not the end, this is only the beginning. That after this life comes eternal life with Jesus and the work that we've done in this life will prepare us for the next life and being with Jesus as we took a look at this morning, we have the ability to do work and do things with our life that matter, that have eternal significance, that last long after I'm gone. You see, I might not have any material possessions to pass down to my children when I go, but I can have a legacy of faith that I leave with them that carries on long after I'm gone. I can inspire people to do a work for God that would have eternal ramifications. I wanna do that. I can inspire people to have a heart for God that would go on and change the world where they are. I want to do that. I have the opportunity to tell other people about Jesus Christ and how they can find hope in him, and I got the opportunity to bring people with me on my journey to heaven, and I want to do that. But 
if there's no God and no afterlife, then those things hold no value whatsoever. But because God is at the center, those things have eternal value. Friend, I want to challenge you to live your life with God at the center. I think most of you say, well, I think I'm doing that already, Pastor. Good, continue to do it. I didn't, for a long period of my life, I didn't put God at the center of everything. God was one of the things that I did. I went to work, I hung out with friends, I watched TV, uh, I went to the gym, liked to go to the movies, liked to, you know, go hiking, went to church every now and then, go out to eat with family, friends, and God became just one of the things that I did. And if life got crazy, I wouldn't go to church, I wouldn't read my Bible, but I would even have the excuse that, well, I didn't really have time to go to the gym this week either, so I didn't have time for God as well as in he's one of the expendable things that are on my list. But friend, when you put God at the center of all that you do, the friends that you have are directly connected to your relationship with God. The work that you do is directly connected to your relationship with God. The things that you do in your free time are directly connected to your relationship with God. The type of music that you listen to is directly connected to your relationship with God. The type of music, movies or entertainment that you enjoy is directly connected to your relationship with God because God's at the center of everything. And if these friends over here are gonna try to pull me from having my God in the center of my life and pull me out of that, those have to be friends that I'm gonna have to limit my connection with because God's at the center. My friends aren't at the center. I came to a point in my life where I realized that the movies and the music that I watched and listened to were not helping my relationship with God and I had to make a decision. Would my entertainment be at the center of my life or would God be at the center? And when I decided to put God at the center, some of my, my entertainment had to go. And let me just tell you, I haven't missed it a day in my life. Some things change when God's at the center because our values change. Our perspective changes. Our priorities change because God's at the center. If you look at this as if there is no God, this life is completely and totally meaningless. If you look at God at the center of your life, everything has meaning, everything, because it has eternal value. You see, with God, this life is purposeful. Without God, we're just kind of hanging out waiting to die. But with God, Every day is an opportunity to make an impact. Every day is an opportunity to do something great. Every day is an opportunity to pour my life into another human being. I don't want to lose that. I want you to live your life with purpose, on purpose. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not really sure what my purpose is. Good, let me tell it to you. Revelation 4.11, we were created to please God with our lives. That's it. Revelation 4.11, for his pleasure we were created, the Bible tells us. So your purpose is to give God glory. Are you doing that? Does your life give God glory? If not, start today. If not, start tomorrow morning. Live your life in such a way that you have a purpose, an eternal purpose. I want people to know God. I want people to see God in my life. I want people to experience God the way that I've experienced him. I want people to know eternal life the way that I know eternal life. I want people to have the hope of heaven the way that I have the hope of heaven. I want people to live a life that means something the way that I live a life that means something. I don't want my life to be wasted. I want it to be purposeful. 
I remember for me, again, I haven't always lived with an eternal mindset, I'll tell you that. But I remember I was probably, I would guess probably 23, 24, and I heard a pastor preach a message that we'll all stand before God one day and give an account of our life. And I accepted Christ as a nine-year-old boy. I didn't fear hell. I didn't fear God's wrath and judgment because I knew for sure that I was saved. But in that moment, fear came over me that I would stand before God one day having wasted my life. That I would stand before God one day and say, I made a lot of money, I drove a nice car, I lived in a nice house, I was pretty comfortable, and I went to church on Sundays, and that's all that I had to offer. And I remember thinking to myself, I'd be embarrassed to stand before God that way. I would feel ashamed if that's all that I did with my life. And I remember in that moment, my wife and I prayed that night, and we said we want our lives to count for something. And if the only people who are ever affected by this decision we make to live our life for something is our kids in our own house, that would be enough. And we decided to stop playing church and just showing up when we felt like it to real deal living for Jesus every single day. And I'm telling you, I've never, ever regretted that decision. But the thought of standing before God one day terrified me because I'd been wasting my life up to that point. And I wanna challenge you to live your life with purpose you see, with God, our time is not meaningless. Our time is an investment in eternity. There's coming a day when my life will be over and I have no longer have the opportunity to make a difference for eternity. When I'm dead and gone, I can't preach any more sermons. I can't pass out any more uh, gospel tracts. I can't share my faith with anyone else. I can't offer a word of encouragement to anybody else. My time here is done. But until then, I've got an opportunity to invest what I have in the lives of other people. One missionary made a famous quote. He says, we have all of eternity to celebrate the victories of this life, but only a short period to win them. Man, what an amazing truth. When we get to heaven one day, we can high five and, and hoot and holler and sing to Jesus about all the great things he allowed us to do. We only have a short period of time to actually win. So I wanna take my time and use it as an investment for the sake of eternity. I uh, spent some time with some folks last week and they said, oh, pastor, I appreciate you spending time with us. And I stopped them and I said, I don't spend my time anymore. I can't afford it. My life is short. My days are numbered. I don't know how much time that I have left. So I have to be careful that from here forward, I only invest my time, not spend it. You know what the difference in that is? I'm putting my time where I expect a return on investment. I'm really encourage faithful Christians to walk with Jesus. I wanna take those who maybe are on the fringe or trying to figure out whether or not they're gonna walk with Jesus or not and pour into them to get them to come over to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. I got no time for people who just wanna sit and argue. I have no time with people who just wanna gripe and complain. I have no time for people who just want to endlessly debate things about theology. Don't have time for that. I wanna invest my time in people that counts that I get a return on investment. Sometimes you don't know if you're gonna get a return on the investment or not. But I know this, I wanna be wise with my time and I wanna use it to invest in eternity. I wanna find people that wanna know Jesus and I wanna bring them to Jesus. We go out every Saturday to our community and pass out invitations to church and try to talk to people about the gospel and things like that. And I always tell people when they go, 
Look, if you come across somebody who wants to argue, just politely excuse yourself from that conversation and move on because someone in our city today is looking for Jesus and someone in our city is looking for a word of encouragement. Find that person and give them truth. Give them encouragement. We don't have time to waste on people who do not want to hear from the things of God. So I wanna take my time that I have and not make it meaningless. I don't wanna waste my time. I wanna invest it for eternity And with God, things have value only in light of eternity. Again, without God, without eternity, I'm concerned about the type of car that I drive and what people think of me when I drive that car. I'm concerned about the type of house that I have and whether or not people are impressed by that. Without God, I'm concerned with what people think of me and am I smart enough? Am I good-looking enough? Am I uh, funny enough? But none of those things hold any eternal value. In light of eternity, I think to myself, what does this person think of Jesus Christ? Would this person be willing to be my guest for a Sunday morning service? Does this person know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Where will this person spend eternity? I'm greatly concerned with things like that. I'm less concerned with what people think about me. I want to live for things of eternal value. I want to put my time, energy, resources into things that are going to count for the kingdom. I'm looking for the big picture. Even things as simple as going to the gym. I go to the gym on a mission every single morning, Monday through Friday. I'm looking for people that I've never met before. I'm trying to talk to them, invite them to church. We've had, over the course of the last three years, we've had probably three dozen people visit our church because of the people that I met at the gym. We've had probably a dozen people saved from the gym that I go to. We've had a couple people that are baptized. Um, one of the men of our church got, got baptized, went through discipleship and joined our church uh, that I met at the gym because I don't just see it as going to a workout in the morning. I'm looking at it as an opportunity to impact people for the cause of Christ. It's having a kingdom mindset everywhere you go. The person who gives you your Starbucks drink in the morning is gonna spend eternity somewhere. You have an opportunity to make a difference where that is. The person who's checking you out at Long's is gonna give you a receipt as long as your car. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. Hey, I know you're busy. I'm not trying to hold up the line, but when you get a second, would you read this most important thing you'll ever read in your entire life? And go on with your day. You're done. Go to a restaurant. Leave a good tip. Leave a invite to church in there. Hey, what they do with it, totally up to them. I'm talking about living with eternal mindset. Again, we have to shift our thinking from this is all that we see to this is just preparation for eternity. Final thoughts and we're done here tonight. Three final thoughts. First of all, what do we do with this information? First, make decisions for the long term, not the short term. So many times we make decisions based on what does this do for me this week? What does this do for me today? And we don't take time to think, what does this do for me 10 years from now? Look, is buying a car that I really can't afford with money that I really don't have to impress people that I really don't like, is that going to get me where I really want to go 10 years from now? Probably not. Is me damaging this relationship because I have to be right really going to get me where I'm trying to go 5, 10 years from now? 
Is me coming across as holier than thou with that guy that sits across the cubicle from me? Is that really where I'm trying to go with this relationship? Or do I want him to see Jesus Christ in me? And maybe I have to put being right to the side so that this guy can see Jesus in me for a minute. It's called humility. And I gotta make decisions based on where do I want this to go five years from now, 10 years from now, eternity from now, as opposed to what will this do for me today? What will this do for me tomorrow? I gotta think long-term. And if we're only thinking about this week, next week, we're short-sighted. I want to get you to start thinking in terms of eternity. Next, live life for the unseen, not the things you can see. Solomon said here, based on everything that we can see with our own eyes, this life is completely and totally meaningless, 100%. Meaningless. So don't live for the things that you can see because the things that you can see hold no lasting value. I remember I was in high school when the Ford Probe came out. How many of you remember the Ford Probe? First time I saw it, I thought, that car's from the future. Like, that is, that is a beautiful vehicle. Some of you, should, when you get home, you should Google Ford Probe. Um, I look at it, I go, wow. I mean, the door handles on it weren't on the side like this. They were, like, built into the door where you, like, had to put your hand behind there and open the door. I thought, wow, that's a car right there, the Ford Probe. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get a job in the summertime, and I'm going to work so I can buy myself a Ford Probe. And my dad told me, that is the ugliest car I've ever seen in my life. Dad, you don't know nothing about cars. That's a Ford Probe. And then Chevy was quick to answer with the Chevy Beretta. You remember the Berettas? Man, the Beretta, ooh, nice cars, right? You look at that now and you go, that's embarrassing. We look at those, those are some of the ugliest cars ever made in the history of car making, right? What's the difference? Those things don't last. They don't have a shelf life. And the things that you and I look at today go, ooh, so shiny. We look at later and go, that's embarrassing. The things that we want to live for today, we're going to look at 10 years from now and go, hmm, shouldn't have spent time doing that. Hey, look, when I'm dead and gone, I'm sure my kids aren't going to stand around the casket going, "Uh, I'm sure I'm glad dad spent so much time at work and never came home for dinner at night. I don't think that's what they're going to say. I want to spend time investing in the things that matter. I don't want to spend time chasing a dream that this world has sold me. I want to spend my life chasing after Jesus Christ. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I want to spend time chasing the things that are important. Final thought. Build your life on the eternal, not the temporary. Build your life on the eternal, not the temporary. This stuff will not last. Your car, you might have the nicest car that anyone has ever seen. One of these days, it's going to be sitting in a junkyard one day, and somebody's going to offer to pay some guy $10 for the hubcaps off of it. You know, It's not going to matter. One of these days, it's going to hit a crushing machine, and it will be crushed and sold for scrap. Your house that you live in, one of these days somebody else is going to live in it and they're going to go, good grief, who put this wallpaper on the walls? But you're so proud of it right now. Don't live for that. Don't live for status. Live for something greater. 
because the only thing that's gonna be left 100 years from now is gonna be the sun. And you know what it's gonna do? It's gonna rise and it's gonna set. And you and I will be dead and gone in eternity somewhere. And we, the only thing that we'll have with us are the things that we sent ahead. Live like that. Most important thing in the world is if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that when you die, you're even going to heaven, do not leave here until you know for sure that you're saved. Because there is a life after this. And you'll spend eternity in heaven or hell, not based on how good of a person you are, or whether or not you did good things, but based on whether or not you've accepted Christ as Savior. We've all sinned against the holy God. We all deserve to die and go to hell. But God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins so we don't have to spend eternity somewhere else in hell separated from him. God wants us to go to heaven. But it requires you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You must say to God, God, I've broken your law. God, I've sinned against you. I'm asking for forgiveness and I'm asking you to save me from my sins. And the Bible says if you do that, God would save you tonight and you can know for sure that heaven is your home. I was a nine-year-old boy when I did that. But I grew up in a home where my parents were really first-generation Christians. They didn't really know what they were doing, just trying to figure it out by trial and error. And my parents taught me, you need to get a good education so that one day you can get a good job, so you can provide for your family, and you can buy a nice car, and buy a big house, and pay for your kids to go to college. And then you can retire and enjoy life when you're 70 years old. Because that's what life is, right? Get a good education so we can get a good job, so we can buy nice things, so that we can hopefully retire one day and then enjoy life. But you know what? The more that I dug into Scripture as I got older and realized that that's the American dream, that's not the biblical dream. You know what the biblical dream is? You live every single day like it was your last, and you live it for something greater than yourself that actually counts. That's the biblical dream. That's what God wants for you. Because the richest man to ever walk the planet said, everything that I've gotten doesn't amount to anything. Everything that I've seen doesn't amount to anything. It's all meaningless. It all holds no value. It all will pass away one day. But eternity stands forever. That's why I want you to have a passion for people that don't know Jesus, passion for the lost. You know why? Because eternity's long, it's forever. And people that you and I know, people that you and I spend time with every single day are gonna spend eternity in hell. Don't let it be because we didn't warn them. If you share truth with people and they reject it, totally up to them. But let us not just not tell someone. God forbid that anybody that we know would go to hell out of ignorance because they didn't know. Let them, let them spend eternity because they chose to purposely reject Christ. But I pray that they would come to know Christ so that we can spend eternity together. But I'm not gonna live for the things that I can see with my eyes. I'm gonna live my life for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom's sake, for eternity's sake. I wanna challenge you to do the same. Read through the book of Ecclesiastes this week. I think you'll be shocked by some of the things that you see. Fascinating book as we unpack it over the next uh, five weeks. Um, read ahead that'll be your homework for this week uh, let's take what we learned tonight and apply it to our lives this week thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast we'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10am you'll find exciting classes for your keiki 
a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.